0: Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. You know know the snow story. Uh, They they can custom cut any snow plow. The blades can be cut to any length, slotted and mounted to meet your exact uh, specifications. You can tweet at us if you use DRC. And then of course, the Denver Upper Company, they make it all. Call them, locally owned, fans of the show, fans of DNVR, locally owned since DNVR, 1-800-259-0010, or visit them at drcfirst.com slash DNVR. What is up, everybody, and welcome into the DNVR Nuggets podcast. I am your host, Adam Modis, from DNVR, where you can subscribe for $5 a month and get access to all of our premium content across all Denver sports. Broncos, Avs, Nuggets, Rockies, Rams, Buffs, poor Rams. CSU Rams going to the Mountain West Conference and lose to the 11-seed Wyoming Cowboys. Ugh, tough one. Rivalry game and a loss. Disappointing all-around. My guy, Justin Michael, has been doing a great job covering that beat, um, so if you are a Rams alum, man, this is a bad time to plug it, since it's, <laughs> it's nice and sad right now, but if you're a Rams alum and you want to keep up with Rams sports, not just football, basketball, all of the sports, the golf team apparently is great this year, Justin does a great job, he's always around, always covering and getting some cool stories. Um... I also want to remind you about Hope Kids, our charity event, which we have on April 15th. But over the month of March, we're raising money. So for $15, you could send a kid who has been battling cancer or other life-threatening illnesses to watch the Denver Nuggets. Go to thednbr.com uh, to learn how to do it, how to donate. Um, you can also buy socks, really, really cool socks, um, uh, up on our website. And then, of course, as you saw today, I've been teasing it on this pod, but... We have a big announcement. I think the announcement part of it is coming on Monday, um, but there's a big event we're having next Friday that, you know, uh, Friday the 13th, so if you just plan, if you're the type of person that likes to plan 10 days out, look at your calendar, mark that one off. Trust me, you're going to want to mark it off. There's a Nuggets game that night at San Antonio, so it's um, going to be a really, really cool night that incorporates that a little bit, so I guess that's the as much of a tease as I can give today's episode of the show. I want to go over some news and notes in the early part here at the end of the show. I'm going to take questions. Um, I got one really, I think there's only one great one. Remember always send in your questions on the We'll, we'll answer uh subscriber submitted questions every single episode, unless there's something crazy happening, but usually we get to those within a day or two. Uh, but the meat of the show, I'm going to talk about the 10 key guys on the Nuggets roster and what I am looking for from them now in this final five weeks of the season. I mean, we're, we're closing in now on you know the final sort of stretch, and um, so there's things that I'm going to be looking for for each player. But we're going to start today by the news that the Nuggets have signed Troy Daniels uh to a roster spot. He cleared waivers and then Denver picked him up. Troy Daniels, 28 years old, been in the league several years now. Um I don't know how many seasons total it's been here. Since 2013, 14. So that would make six six seasons, six or seven. Let me see here. Seven seasons. So he um you know he's a three point shooter and I think he essentially replaces Jordan McRae. Um, who the Nuggets released. Obviously, there was some rumblings about him not being happy with his role, and understandably so. The one blow-up he had in the locker room. Again, I, I can't report on this. I'm just telling you what I heard from other people. Nobody seems to want to go on record and say what happened. But I think we can read the tea leaves on that one and say that Jordan McRae was unhappy being here and, and wanted out. And because he's such a – you know, McRae was the 11th or 12th guy. Um, and the same is going to be true of Troy Daniels. Filling that role of if somebody goes down, you now have a guy that has been in the NBA that you can stick out there that you know. Hopefully, you don't feel terrible about if somebody gets injured and he have to pop into that ten man rotation or whatever. uh, You don't feel terrible because the one thing Troy Daniels can do is knock down three pointers. He's a career forty percent three point shooter, uh, a six foot four shooting guard. You know, he's he's all right. It's funny if you remember back him and he is the guy that got into a fight with will barton if you remember in phoenix will barton had said something on a podcast i think the road trip and podcast with richard jefferson gets a little drunk i guess a little tipsy i should say and he says oh the phoenix suns they basically have a bunch of g the, the whole team should go back to the g league after they lost by like 50 points in a game well troy daniels right away off the like opening tip starts fighting barton and barton's like yo why is this dude coming at me and then apparently later on he learned that it was like yeah they weren't you know he remembered that and he was waiting for this moment so um anyway so it's funny I don't those types of things happen and I think people are like oh is this going to be a problem nah man those those guys are teammates now they're that that stuff I'm sure is water under the fridge so um the uh but Troy Daniels is here and I don't expect him to be a big part now I know a lot of people because I've seen it in my mentions and. A lot of people said, well, what was the point of the Beasley trade? And first of all, I think it's perfectly fair to criticize that trade. Um, I don't think it was the end of the world by any means. It was sort of one of those minor moves. Um, But I think there's reason to critique it. As I brought up on Locked on Nuggets podcast yesterday, maybe it sent a signal to some of the players like, yo, you got rid of a really, really good player that might have come in handy in the playoffs, even if he only played like, 40 total minutes in Malik Beasley. So you replaced him with a with a lesser player. Does that even if that only lowers your odds of advancing in the playoffs by 1% or a fraction of 1% to a player, they're doing everything they can to get every sort of a little value. So if you're a player, I, that to me that's one of the criticisms. I think another one is, you know, did they wait too long on Malik Beasley? Was there not the proper synergy between Michael Malone and the front office? Because why wouldn't you have traded Beasley last year if you thought he was going to be such a limited? Did part of your roster this year why you know there, there's a lot of questions that I think are fair now I don't think any of these are big deals these are all sort of the minor around the edges type thing but nonetheless I think they're fair what's not fair is saying like oh now you got this bomb you know who, who is Troy Daniels or whatever Troy Daniels is essentially going to fill the exact same role that um that Malik Beasley would be albeit a little bit lesser but I think the best available it's still that 11th guy that if you have to plug him in I don't think Denver's gonna Oh, we're three for 20. Let's give Troy Daniels a spot. I mean, maybe they will. Um, but, you know, they didn't do that for Michael Porter a whole lot. So I don't know that they're going to do it for Troy Daniels. That would be kind of crazy. But if somebody does get hurt, if there is an injury to say Gary Harris or Tory Craig or both um, foul trouble, whatever, you know, then I think you, you feel comfortable saying, OK, this is a guy that's been in the league long enough to go out there and, and, and knock down a couple open threes. So that's the Troy Daniels story, and I don't think it'll be a necessarily compelling one going on. Although you never know. Um, sometimes some of these end of bench guys become the hero in one night, and and you know it, it can really make a difference. So we'll see. Or the goat. Um, we look ahead to the Charlotte Hornets, and you know Denver. First of all, they're not a good team. They are thirtieth over their last ten games. Thirtieth an offensive rating. Now, Devontae Graham has missed a little bit, and he is questionable for tomorrow, so maybe he comes back, maybe he doesn't, and Devontae Graham, a really talented, quick point guard uh, with a great three-point shot, takes about 10 a game, it makes him on some um, pretty good efficiency. So, you know, he could, make, he could sort of change the equation there. They also have Terry Rozier, so they have some quickness out at the guard spot, but so you know the point. The fact of the matter is that that's a team that doesn't score very well. Um, so like, like we could say with Golden State, this is a game that Denver should win. They ought to win coming off of that disappointing Golden State loss. I think one of the big storylines is just how do they respond to it? Do they look like a team that's defeated? I haven't loved the vibe around this team um, over the last you know really since the All Star break. They just look a little annoyed, a little done with the season, and I don't. As I said on last night's show, I don't think it's a big, uh, you know, I don't think it's a huge deal. I don't think it's like, oh, let's hit the panic button. This team's not good anymore or falling apart. But they are on a lull, and you want to see, is this a six-game sort of lull? They did play great against Toronto, so it feels weird even calling it a six-game lull. But, you know, just my read on them being in the locker room and being around them it just seems like a little bit of a, hey, we need to get our mojo back. So, is it six games? Is it 10? Is it 15? To me, that'll determine a lot uh, about how Denver's season sort of ends. It's obviously more important in my mind that Denver sort of figures things out going into the playoffs. I don't know that it means anything for like momentum, but I do think that Denver is a team that is still working to figure out what their identity is, what their rotations are, who plays in what minutes, and and who play, you know, who are your go to lineup. You think about it Denver has 20 games left. And I don't feel like we know what Denver's best lineup is. What's what's Denver's death lineup? Probably their starters, you know, Gary Harris and Will Barton at that 2-3. But is there a lineup that features somebody else, some other combination of players? Is it Monte in Gary Harris's spot? So you go with those two point guards that have looked really good. Is it Jeremy Grant and Paul Millsaps? So Denver, to me, as, as much as I, I am inclined to kind of say you know, these games game by game don't wholly matter. I do think that by the end of the season, you're going to want to answer some of those questions. So for tomorrow, in addition to looking for Denver to, to sort of write the the ship, we're still waiting to find out. Does Michael Porter play? What are the rotations look like? I think Michael Malone has sort of moved the rotations in a direction that I sort of agree with. Um, There's been some really, really interesting, interesting combos the murray montague lineup i'm gonna talk about that in a little bit has been really solid um jeremy grant has been getting some minutes so uh so i'm curious to see those are the types of things i really have my eye on tomorrow but uh of course i would expect denver to get a win uh assuming that they are not falling further into a funk and not climbing out of it breckenridge brewery is the official beer of DNBR. May or may not have uh, an announcement that involves a little Breckenridge Brewery here coming up. I Maybe I mean, that's part of the equation here. Um, today's beer, the beer of Thursday, is the Colorado Core. We have beers of every day of the week. Today, luckily, I got my favorite. If I'm binge drinking, my my favorite one is the Colorado Core, light on sugar, crisp, refreshing. It's like a part cider, part beer. Absolutely fantastic. Check out the Colorado Core. If you're going, the Colorado Core is my like three or over beer. I think Avalanche Ale is my one. Vanilla Porter Jr. I'll drink the one as well. I really like the the, uh, United and Orange. Mile High City, good, refreshing, one or two. But if I'm having three or 4 going with the Colorado Core. Delicious beer, uh, tasty. And it's springtime. Apples are a spring. Are apples a spring fruit? I don't know. I think they might be sounds sounds right to me anyway we're, we're getting this 60 degree weather crack open a colorado core throw on your flip-flops in a hoodie the colorado tuxedo and crack open a colorado core also want to tell you about strava craft coffee rich cbd infused coffee that you can purchase in k-cups for your keurig or whole bean or ground basically every other way is there any other way to drink coffee you can purchase online for 20 percent off if you use dnvr 20. Order online. It ships right to you. Everything's so convenient now. DNVR delivered right to your door. Strava Craft Coffee delivered right to your door. Uh, You can order it now at Carbon Cafe and Bar, Drip Denver, Slow High Coffee, Blue Sparrow Coffee, and Max Market. CBD is non-psychoactive. This isn't a THC. it's CBD. It's been known to help long-term migraines, uh, decreasing anxiety, arthritis, IBS, and plenty more. So remember, purchase online for 20% off when you use promo code DNVR20. Back here on the DNBR Nuggets podcast. Now what I want to do in this uh, next two segments is go through the roster and talk about what I'm looking for uh, out of the rest of the year from these players, and I'm going to start with Nikola Jokic. Um, The three-point shot to me is is a big thing for Jokic that when he is knocking down that three, and it seems like, this is my theory with Jokic, I could be wrong, this is is like a half-baked theory, but my theory in... It, it, anecdotally has sort of proven true when he's needed to knock down shots. He has, of course, last year, I think 33%, 34%, something like that from the field, going to the playoffs above 40. We all remember in January when the nuggets were missing all these guys. And it's like, okay, we need Jokic to t- sort of take over now. And, and, um, everybody's you sh- show so shorthanded. Let's see what happens. Jokic shoots, uh, 37% over that month. What was it in February here? I'm pulling it up right now. I got NBA, um, NBA.com, 35%. So he uh he steps it up. It's still above what he was doing uh, you know, early on and especially late. But I want to see can he get into that? Can he start rounding into form on, on the three point shot? I don't know if it's focus, confidence, or whatever, but to me if Jokic can get up to the forty percent, thirty eight percent, forty percent from three on three or four a game, to me that really changes how teams have to guard him. He actually hasn't been taking a lot of threes lately. Um you know i mean i guess i could go post all-star break here now let's go from february 1st but he's kind of reduced the number of threes that he's been taking so to me i i like that when he's not making them but i think denver is still better when he has it in his arsenal so i'm curious to see uh how how this all shakes out yeah he's down to just two attempts per per game since february 1st that's really low um and then leadership i've talked i talked about this a little bit over the last couple weeks but We've seen growth from Jokic working on his body, taking games seriously. I mean, his competitiveness, I think, increases with every every game. But I don't know that this team is really lacking a vocal leader. And this is a prime opportunity for him to step into that role. And it's tough. This is one of the toughest uh, lessons young players have to sort of lo- go through and learn. And And to me, the Nuggets can't truly take off until they either get a leader— you know, one of the other guys steps up, but it has to be, in my opinion, it has to be one of your better players. It can't be Mason Plumley or Monte Morris. Those guys are great and they have roles of leadership, you know, to, to give. Even a guy like Paul Millsap, I think that his voice, um, isn't necessarily the right one for this type of leadership. I think it has to be Jamal Murray or Nikola Jokic right now and, um... You know, Jamal Murray seems like he wants to take on that role, but to me, I would love to see Jokic also sort of uh, find a way to use his voice and to grow in that way. Jamal Murray three-point attempts—it felt like I was surprised by this stat. It felt to me like he had really upped his three-point attempts over the last little bit, and he has from five to six. If you go over the last six games just since the All-Star break, he's only attempting six and his efficiency is still a little shaky. To me, the Nuggets, this is another thing about Murray and just is he going to be like an All-Star max caliber type player? And to me, the simplest there's other things that have to happen, but to me the simplest thing is he's got to turn some of those long twos into threes. he He's got to, he, He's such a great mid-range tough shot maker, and that's a good skill to have, especially in the playoffs, especially late in games. And I think it's why Denver has had such a good two-man game late, or one of the reasons. But he's got to learn to hunt for these three-point opportunities, and in particular against pressure. You know, the Clippers obviously had their way with him. The Clippers are on the docket here in a couple weeks. They've also got Milwaukee, another team that puts a lot of pressure on. They've got the Lakers. These teams, I think, now are—I think the scouting report on Denver in a playoff series is bully Jamal Murray. Get into him. Get physical with him. He's not quick enough to beat you off off the bounce. He's not, you know, smart enough or crafty enough or whatever to really make you to punish you there. So can you intimidate him and bully him? And I think Murray, at his best, absolutely has answers for those types of things. It's just that he does not always at his best. In fact, he's he's I would say rarely at his best. So. I like seeing his tweet. I like seeing him say, put the other day after the the Golden State loss, put this one on me. I like those types of things. I think Murray is a guy that when the going gets tough, he gets tougher. So I'm curious to see how he responds now that he has been a contributor to this recent slump. Um, Gary Harris, there's a theme here. I don't know if you guys have caught on. Three-point shooting. So for Murray, it was attempts. For Jokic, it was it was makes. And for Harris, it's makes. He has been on fire Over the last eight games, 52% from behind the arc. Now, that's only on two and a half attempts per game, so we're not talking about a huge sample size. But nonetheless, when we're talking about Gary Harris, it's been two years of of struggling. So eight games, I'm going to absolutely look at that silver lining and say, okay, it's moving in the right direction. But I am a little concerned that there was no attempts in that Golden State game. He needs to be a guy that really finds opportunities when teams go into the screen as they are so often with him right now on the DHO. Is he a guy that can square up, get his feet under him, get his balance under him and get those shots up. So for me, it's, it's clearly that the 52% is great. I'd love to see him get up to four, maybe even five attempts per game. That means he's really figuring some things out off ball to get open and having the confidence to knock him down. Will Barton healthy. <laughs> is he healthy? Will Barton to me, I'm concerned because there's no reason... Will Barton carried this team along with Nikola Jokic through the month of January and half of February. There's no reason he's still playing the amount of minutes he is unless, one, he's not injured, which I just don't buy because you see him limping around. Or two, he feels as though like there's no point in resting. Like, oh, okay, this thing I have, it needs you know surgery or it needs three months off. I worry that's the case with, with him. Um, because... Why else would he be in right now? There's so many other players that could get minutes. I think everybody wants to see Michael Porter play. You know That would be a great opportunity to get him. But maybe it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, man, two, three games off isn't really going to do anything. This is just a thing you're going to have to manage. So I don't know if that's the case. Maybe it's a conversation that needs to be had both with Malone and maybe with Barton. This is probably something that – it's only been a handful of games that Barton has sort of looked like this. So if it continues, probably by the time they're back in town, I imagine myself and, and several others will be really pressing on this. But to me, for Will Barton, that's what I'm concerned with: is he healthy? And then lastly, before we take a break, Paul Millsap, can he elevate the difference, uh, the defense? Denver has defense has been one of the storylines here. As much as I talk about the offense nonstop and I talk about the rotations a lot, Nuggets defense has been terrible, one of the worst in the NBA since the All Star break. Now. You give up 132 points to uh, to the, the Clippers. You know, in a six game sample size, that's not going to be. You know, you're not going to be able to salvage that. And that, in fact, that's what Nikola Jokic said in the locker room after the game the other day. Somebody asked him, "What's the deal with the, you know, being last in defense?" And he goes, "Well, it's six games. I mean, that sample size isn't big enough to really say one way or another." And I think that's mostly true, but. When Millsap comes, when Millsap is in the lineup, Denver usually has a pretty good defense. That hasn't been the case lately, so is there something there? I think he's looked a little slow. I would chalk that up more to probably rehabbing from the injury than he fell off a cliff, but sometimes that's how it happens where guys lose a little bit. At that age, at 35 years old, you get an injury and you just never come back for it. That's, that's what happened to me. I know I'm not a professional athlete, but that's certainly what happened to me as a basketball player. So for me, can he elevate the defense? And then I'm going to talk about this more when I get to Jeremy Grant, but where does Millsap play? It's a bit ironic that Millsap, one of the most important players, in my opinion, on this Nuggets roster over the last three years, is also a player that's kind of messes with the rotations. And what I mean by that is it's hard. Obviously, you play him with Jokic. That's a great all-around lineup, especially great defensively. Not always great offensively, but it's great defensively, and it's always a net positive. But then you sub him out. Does that mean he ends up going and playing with second units a little bit? You know, Does Jeremy Grant come in? We know that the Plumlee-Jokic lineup was great. Well, the Millsap being healthy kind of erases any any chance of playing that one. Where does Jeremy Grant go? He played so great there before the All-Star break, before Paul Millsap came back. Does he just now play fewer and fewer minutes? It's a real question. So Millsap, great player, but just where does he play? I don't think Michael Malone would make a change to the starting lineup. I I just couldn't... it, it could happen in a playoff series, but I don't think Denver would do that now. But I do wonder if if Malone maybe pulls Millsap four minutes into the game or five minutes into the game. You know, even early, just get inches earlier and earlier, and says, "Hey, we're gonna stagger these even more because I like the way some of these staggered lineups play." To me, that's uh, can he elevate the defense, and where does he play, folks? The Green Solution has 18 locations in Colorado. Is the place in Colorado to get marijuana edibles, concentrates, you name it. Download the app or go to mygreensolution.com and use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. All of our deals, great deals. It's quick and easy to use. There's 18 locations. Express checkout has you in and out in no time. No lines, no waiting, and the best prices for the best quality. Remember, download the app or go to mygreensolution.com and use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Back here on DNBR Nuggets Podcast, talking about what I'm looking for from these players. Monte Morris, he's been sneaky great over the last month. I don't. I think people listening to the show don't think there's anything sneaky about it. He's been fantastic, and it's not even just the last month. It's It goes even beyond that. But as a player, he's a type of player that nobody outside of Denver ever talks about, but he has been really solid running that second unit. Um, last 15 games, 11 points per game. On great efficiency. And as I mentioned, that Monte-Murray duo to me is just so good. How much does Denver invest in that lineup? Um, I think it sort of replaces the Barton-Murray combo because right now Barton just hasn't been that great of a creator in the pick-and-roll. monte Morris obviously fantastic at it. So if you put all three together, I'd be very intrigued with that. But you put Monte and Murray together and you have two very good threats in the pick-and-roll. One more is a playmaker, one more is a scorer. Um, so do we see more of that uh, in, in, Monte was rough in the playoffs last year, so I'm wondering, I'm very curious, does Denver invest a lot of minutes and say, okay, this is our rotation, we need to get minutes for that combo out there? Or do they worry that maybe you spend a lot of energy doing that in the regular season, but it gets shut down in the playoffs again? Um, That's a really fascinating question. Some of these bigger teams Denver's going to have to face, I mean, who does Monte guard? Of course, we're not talking about starting lineups, so you don't have to say, oh, Kawhi and Paul George, who's Monte going to get? Because um, likely these are more staggered, you know, second unit type minutes. Um, but nonetheless, Monte's so small that in a playoff series, I think a lot of teams are going to target him defensively. Jeremy Grant. So I talked about this with Millsap. Where does he play? Same goes for Jeremy Grant. Um, does he get a lot of minutes with Jokic or is he primarily with Plumlee? He's kind of developed a good chemistry with both. Does Michael Malone go to the Tory Craig, Grant, Plumlee lineup? God, I hope not. I hope not, and it's tough because if you're going to play Tory Craig, you're either going to start him, or he's going to come off the bench, but then that makes it difficult to get both Plumley and Grant in, so to me, one of the biggest question marks for this season is, where does Jeremy Grant slide in, and how does that affect both Plumley and Tory Craig's minutes, because I think you can play, if you're going to play Grant, you can only play one of those other two guys, or you just have to knock down a lot of your shots, like Tory Craig has to be on fire, Jeremy Grant has to be on fire, but... That combo, we have a nice sample size of it that that threesome just does not work. So where does he he play? And then he has some big defensive assignments coming up. You know, Denver hasn't gone to the three-big lineup a ton, but you got Milwaukee coming up as a very big team. You've got the Lakers coming up, which, of course, you know, you probably want to get a sense of, okay, can Jeremy Grant guard LeBron James? He kind of got torched this last time, but can he do it this time? So another stab there. And then with the Clippers, of course, Kawhi, you know, Grant had a very good performance against him in their first matchup, not so much in the second matchup. Do they put more minutes there, uh, You know, and, and just how does he look at that? Because I think if you get some great defensive performances from Jeremy Grant over the next week or so, uh, two weeks I guess I should say, because that's when Milwaukee, Lakers, Clippers all happens, um, if you get some big defensive performances there, you might sort of feel a little bit more confident against some of these other teams in the playoffs because you say, okay, you got, we got a stopper. Denver has a, a long, lanky stopper. Michael Porter Jr., number one, does he play? (laughs) I mean, he's the guy – we've talked about him as much as any other player besides Jokic probably this year. Does he play, um, and and how is his attitude? I sense and I worry – um, that his attitude is starting, like, as much as he's tried to be the team player and tried to be the guy that buys into whatever role he's got, it, it, if he's not playing more than 10 minutes over this stretch, I just, I worry Denver's going to lose him, lose his confidence, lose his attitude, um, maybe cause some friction. Uh, I hope not. I hope I'm wrong on that, but that's what I'm looking for. Does he play and how does he handle if he doesn't? Um, and then does he have another learning curve in him? Because right now, um, you know, he was so good in January when he got a lot of minutes. His confidence went through the roof. It gets hurt, hasn't quite shown that learning curve, you know, the second time around, although it's only been a handful of minutes. So does he have that in him? Because you you thought, okay, Warriors, uh, Charlotte, Cleveland, you thought, okay, those are some games Denver should have an opportunity. Now I'm not so certain, but I hope that over these next few games he gets a rhythm and we get a chance to see him when the, the big games come to town. I want him to play against Milwaukee, the Lakers, and the Clippers. But I think he's got to play well over these next two before you get to those tough games um, before we really know if he's going to play. Mason Plumlee, where does he play? Um, do we see any Jokic-Plumlee minutes? I'm curious about that one too. Um, I love that combo. I've grown to love it. Plumlee dominates the boards. There is that big team in Los Angeles um, that maybe having two true centers on the court, you know, Denver can match up with them physically. I, I'm not sure. Um, but we haven't seen that a lot. And I wonder if when the Lakers come up, uh, maybe even when uh, Milwaukee comes up, I wonder if Denver tries to go with it. Hey, even the Clippers. Part of me wonders. Denver just spends so much time reacting to other teams that are perceived to be better. I wonder if Denver says, okay, you've got Marcus Morris. Mason Plumlee, go grab every rebound. And you might get cooked out on the perimeter a little bit, but maybe not. Maybe Marcus Morris, maybe maybe it's a win for Denver if the Clippers are just going to Marcus Morris isos all the time. So I don't think this is the one I don't think we'll see but I'm curious if we do see any minutes of it um and again I don't think I don't think you see it you know against the the hornets but against teams like the Lakers the Clippers the big the big ones I'm curious what you see and then lastly, Torrey Craig, just how many minutes does he get? Um, he's the guy that's sort of been cut out of the rotation so far, him and MPJ both sort of just seem to not get a ton of minutes. But if he does get minutes, can he shut down the key guys? I mean, Denver's probably going to have to go through, I say okay, we've seen Houston. He's done a great job on Russell Westbrook. Um, but maybe Oklahoma City, uh, who also is coming up here before too long. Does, can he shut down Chris Paul or Shea Gilgis Alexander? Um, and then, of course, teams like the Clippers, he has not been necessarily effective against the Kawhis of the world or the LeBrons. He's just a little too small. But he's going to get another shot at it. So does he have, um, you know, just like it was with Jeremy Grant, can you feel confident? When if Tory Craig has a performance against those guys where you go, wow, you know, Torrey Craig really bothered Kawhi tonight. Maybe there's something there. That's what I'm looking for from him. So does he play and can he shut down the players that traditionally he hasn't been able to? Um so I'm gonna wrap this one up here. Actually, I should I should do a Michael Malone. I don't have this written down, but I talked about it on lockdown yesterday. For me, Michael Malone, number one thing, how he handles Michael Porter Jr. And I guess if there's a number two thing, and these go hand in hand, I think Michael Malone needs to chill. This is my opinion. I could be wrong. He knows his team better than I do, and he sort of sees things behind the scenes that I do not see. But I think that he right now is in a bit of a panic and that he's just running too hot. And this has been true of his whole tenure here in Denver. He's even mentioned it. This isn't just me saying things. He has talked about how that is one of his weaknesses as a coach. But the Nuggets, in my opinion right now, need positive Malone. They need Stern. They need, they you know iron fist velvet glove, but right now he's just iron fist sandpaper glove. He said that the team is just, uh, I I, th- I think there's, there's, I worry he's maybe wearing on the team and, and in a way that's not productive. So I, I'm curious to see that as well as how he handles, uh, Michael Porter jr. Lastly, we do have one question here and it comes from JB Denver sports. You guys always say you don't have to be basketball related. So here it goes. I love this. I remember Adam's take on In-N-Out Burger and how he didn't want them to come to Colorado. That's right. Get out of Colorado. Keep your California in California. I don't want your crappy burger. Um, I am more of a Five Guys or Smash Burger fan myself, being a Colorado native. I have never had an In-N-Out and don't really care to. Hey, keep the fight alive, JV Denver Sports. I love it. I love it. If you guys were to have a Mount Rushmore of fast food burger joints, Who makes the cut? This is a good one. Well, I have to preface. This is a great question, but I have to preface this by saying that my food takes are notoriously terrible. Awful. I am known. if We're doing these DNVR videos. If somebody said who had the worst food takes, I would win in an absolute landslide. I grew up on Totino's pizzas. I grew up on very, very cheap foods. And so my taste I'm not I'm not I do not have a refined palate. So I am not the best person to ask for this, but I will say and I'm a complete homer. You have to know that I admit that this take about this burger that I'm about to say is not a rational one, but I'm a good times guy. I think it's great. Is it because it's Colorado maybe? I don't know. I don't know if it is. But I love it. I it's it maybe my favorite burger in all of Denver. Or all of color, I should say fast food burger. There's some like crazy good burgers. There's some crazy good burgers around town. Um, like, you know, $15, 20 burger, sit down restaurant type burgers that uh, are fantastic. If We're just talking about the drive through place or, or walk up or whatever. To me, that would be on the list. Um, hmm, where would we go from there? I like Sonic. I know this, I told you guys this is going to be terrible. I like the Sonic burger. I think it's good. It's a very cheap burger, but it's good. Um man, where would I go from there? Smash is pretty good. I'll give I'll give Smash Burger props because it's pretty I don't go there very often though. That's the only problem with it. But it's pretty good. It's a pretty good burger. And then lastly, is this let me let me clarify. He did say fast food, right? Yeah, fast food burger joints. Let me give like one really low class. Really low class... Oh, actually, you know what? I know where I'll go. Jim's Burger Haven. Oh, this was the worst list ever. Oh, my God. I'm ashamed of my own list. Jim's Burger Haven. It was a real grease... It was a greasy spoon place they used to have. Uh, and It might still be there. I haven't been around Old Thornton in a long time. But that place, I used to I used to love going there. I think the burgers were like $3. That's part of why I liked going there. Um, but they had a real greasy, gross burger that I loved. That was really good. There was this place, Gringo's, up in Leadville that used to have my favorite burger. And that place was like the worst place ever. But everybody hated it, but I always made... Everybody I took up there, I made them eat there. And they were always like, this is the worst food ever. Um, but I loved it. I don't know, something about that fresh uh mountain air in ludville two miles above sea level um so that's my list but like i said you asked the wrong guy if if brendan and harrison were here they would have given much better or i shouldn't say better much more popular answers but this is my u.s i'm the only guy here so i took the, the question thank you so much for it jb that was a fun one thanks so much everybody else we will be back tomorrow don't forget a live show tomorrow Right live from DNVR HQ, recapping, hopefully in the Winner's Lounge. But if it's in the Loser's Lounge, we'll we'll make a way, we'll find a way to make it entertaining. We'll see you all then. Also want to tell you about Strava Craft Coffee. Rich CBD infused coffee that you can purchase in K-Cups for your Keurig or whole bean or ground. Basically every other way. Is there any other way to drink coffee? You can purchase online for 20% off if you use DNVR 20. Order online, it ships right to you very Everything's so convenient now. DNVR, delivered right to your door. Strava Craft Coffee, delivered right to your door. Uh, you can order it now at Carbon Cafe and Bar, Drip Denver, Slow High Coffee, Blue Sparrow Coffee, and Max Market. CBD is non-psychoactive. This isn't a TH, it's CBD. It's been known to help long-term migraines, depre- uh, decreasing anxiety, arthritis, IBS, and plenty more. So remember, purchase online for 20% off when you use com- promo code DNVR20.